And coming up on 815 now, we say good morning to Mike Broomhead. Morning, Kevin. Morning, everyone. Happy uh, happy Tuesday as we move forward in Thanksgiving week. Hope you got a great week planned. Uh, we start this morning off with the elections in Arizona and some of the things that are happening. As most of you know, if you listen to the show, I am, uh, I am a Republican. I am a very conservative Republican in the eyes of most, except the people that are election deniers. To them, I'm no longer a Republican. I'm, I'm what they call a rhino because I don't agree with the election denial and the way that it's being done. I want to start there. If you look at what's happened, a couple of things you're going to hear in a few moments. First of all, um, Kimberly Yee, who is the state treasurer and is the straight has won re-elections. She is she has received more votes than anybody else in a statewide race. Republican or Democrat, she received the most votes. I find it interesting, and I, I know, again, this is not a slap at anybody. It's an observation. It is very interesting to me that the two best-performing Republicans in the race, in any of the races, were not Trump-endorsed. There is a reason for that in the minds of some. And one of the things that she talks about is she talks about party doesn't matter. The things that I'm doing and the way that she does them, she's managing the state's money. It's really addressing the people of Arizona regardless of party affiliation. And I think we made that clear in the numbers that we saw. And I think that's where the mistakes are made when you start speaking on an ideology and you don't allow for other opinions and you shout people down that disagree with you when you alienate people within your own party. Here's the fun thing about this for me is that um, I have I have I've, as they say, I've made my bones in in the Republican Party. I, I'm not involved in party politics. There is a big difference. And most of you know this, but there is a huge difference between being a member of the Republican Party, a precinct committeeman, a state committeeman, whatever it is, though. Those are party officials. Those are people that are either elected or appointed within the Republican Party to do party business, set party agenda and do those things. And then there's the voters. There's Republican voters. I'm a Republican voter. I am no longer involved in party politics. But what we are seeing happening around the state is now uh, starting to affect people that vote. When you have a message, your message has to be clear, but your message has to be all-encompassing. And because I'm talking to and about Republicans, let's talk about who those Republicans are that have done so well. You look at what Ronald Reagan said. In this current crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. We are the shining city on the hill. We are the world's last best hope. These are things that Reagan said that were Americanisms. He was, and he knew how to preach to the choir. There's no doubt. If you go and listen to his speeches, and I've listened to so many of them, um, when he was at the, at, at the convention for the Republican Party, the um, the RNC. He preaches to the choir very, very well. But when you look at uh, look at a thriving church, you look at people that are outward looking, um, churches that support missions, churches that support those ministries that reach out to the community around them. You're not just a building inside a community where your people go hide inside the doors. You're supposed to be a light to the community and you reach out to your neighbors and you do what's right. When there's a crisis, you're the solution for your neighbors. That is what a thriving church church does is they look outward. The dying churches have the same members that have been there since they were kids and they don't want to have new people in because they're afraid a new person is going to sit in their chair at, you know, in their pew in their spot at church. And, and so they'd rather have their own 50 members that they've known all their lives. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but you're not growing. 
And what's happening now is we are seeing these political statements that are being made. And that's where the that's where the issue is for me. Kimberly goes on to talk about policy. For me, it's not about politics. It's about the policy. And it's really addressing the people of Arizona, regardless of party affiliation. And I think we made that clear in the numbers that we saw. So that's that's interesting to me. That is very interesting to me. And um, when you look at the what's happening in Mojave County, Cochise County, Mojave County came out and said, we understand this is a political statement. We're not certifying our election, not because there's problems. We're not Maricopa County, but because we're standing in solidarity with another county or other counties. Listen, you are starting to look like sore losers, I don't like it any more than anyone else does. I don't like the par- the policies of what's coming in. If I was the only person that I would say, and I haven't heard him say a word yet, the only person that has a, has a, in my estimation, that has a legitimate claim to what happened on election day is Abe Hamaday. The very narrow margin of a lead that's happening right now by Chris Mays, less than a thousand votes. And you think on, on election day, there had to be at least that many people that were disenfranchised, right? That didn't vote, that went and had a limited amount of time, that weren't going to wait for hours and hours and hours. Now, I don't know that it would change the results of the election. But if there's one person, if there is one person that has a beef, it would be him. But the idea that I'm going to be outcast, the idea that Bill Gates, who has been a conservative Republican for as long as I know who he is, uh, that Bill Gates is going to have to sleep somewhere other than his home at a secret location because of threats against him. And now we've got counties in Arizona saying we know that there's no problem with our election. We know we're fine. But. There's another county in Cochise County and the questions in Cochise County about the certification of tabulation machines. And I will tell you, I don't know how elections are run in Cochise County. I know what happens in Maricopa County where day of elections are handled by the county. In Maricopa County, the county recorder is in, is in charge of early voting. Day of voting is handled by the county. That that was taken from the county recorder's power and the the county board of supervisors took on that power. So they are the ones that have to answer for what happened on election day. But here's the issue for me is now after it's all said and done and it looks like the Democrats are going to win the races four to two. And who knows, maybe Abe Hamaday and the recount will gain votes and maybe he'll become. But right now it's four to two in statewide races. Now, after the fact, you come out and say, well, we think there were problems with the tabulation machines. Isn't it interesting? If you want a fair election, if you want to make sure things are done fairly, don't you make that complaint before votes start getting counted? Don't you demand and say, hey, wait a minute, we want to see the certification of those machines ahead of time? Why after? That to me is the biggest issue. Now, after the fact, you're coming back and saying those machines are not certified. Those you, you proved to us they were certified. Why didn't you do that before? You would think if you want the ballots tabulated and counted fairly and you want to make sure it's done accurately, then you make sure as a county, as a board of supervisors, you say we want all the I's dotted and the T's crossed. We don't want any problems or any questions when this election is over. 
So show us the paperwork that this is certified before we put one ballot in those machines. You show us that they're certified. I mean, that's the way you handle an issue before it becomes an issue. When you go back after the fact, it looks like you are a sore loser. There was a game a couple of years ago, I've referenced this many times, between the Rams and the Saints, and there was a horrible non-call on the field. It was obviously a pass interference call that wasn't, that literally stopped the Saints from going to the Super Bowl. It was was a horrible call, or non-call. If they had complained about that the next year during the season, and said the referees hosed us last year and they're hosing us now, we'd call them sore losers. We'd say, you've got to move on. That's in the past. You can't do anything. Been warning the Republicans in power, if you keep looking back at 2020, you're going to lose 2022. And if we keep looking back at 2022, you're going to lose 2024. This isn't about Donald Trump. This isn't about Kerry Lake. This isn't about any other Republican candidate. This is about who we are. There were big mistakes made in Maricopa County. And here's the problem. I have mentioned before that I am I'm I'm friends with with Clint Hickman. I I, I admire Clint very much. I think he is I not I think. I know he is a good man from a good family that has been doing great things in this state for generations. This is a solid family that would not cheat. Bill Gates, I know Bill. Not very well, but I know him. And I feel bad that they now are having to stand up and take the heat. But even they recognize that the mistakes that were made, they have to stand up and take the heat. But there is a difference between an intentional act and a mistake. That doesn't mean one is okay. It just means it's different. But if the Republicans in Arizona are going to look at 2022 and shrug their shoulders and tell everybody, well, we had another one stolen, you are not looking at yourself. You are not looking at your shortcomings. You are not looking at what's costing you elections when the number one vote getter was a Republican. The number one vote getter in the state is a Republican in Kimberly Yee. Kimberly Yee didn't go to the rallies. Kimberly Yee didn't seek out the Trump endorsement. Kimberly Yee didn't preach to the choir every time she spoke. And that's what happened on the other side. The idea that election denial and fixing our election system in 2020 was on the forefront of every voter's mind, and that was the number one issue, cost a lot of candidates. And if you do it in 24, you're going to lose again. And this is something that we all should be looking at. It's about policy. It's about what is best for the state of Arizona, not what's best for you. We'll see. I'm anxious to see how this turns out. We got to talk economy in just a moment. Um, How close are we to a rail strike? And if that were to happen, what would it do to our economy? We'll discuss both of those things in just a moment. And strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Six o'clock on Friday evening. 
mama doesn't know she's leaving Till she hears a screen door slamming Rubber stealing, gas are jamming Local country station just a blaring on the radio Hey, thanks for being here. Happy Tuesday. Sprinting towards Thanksgiving. Hope you got a great one planned as we talk about the economy. That is the number one issue on the minds of people. Are we headed toward a recession? Well, one of the things that could push us over the brink in what is already a pretty tumultuous economy would be a rail strike. The What it would not just do to commuters that, that rely on it in parts of the country. Um, it's fascinating to me as we uh, – as in this country, we look toward getting rid of gas-powered vehicles on a move to EVs and, and more people taking public transportation – and we see something like this. This is a part of the issue. When I was uh, years ago, a few years ago, I was in uh, France for uh, the D-Day celebration. So I spent some time, four or five days we spent in Paris, and we were in, we went up to Normandy. We were in Champagne. We went to Luxembourg and Belgium. And we were getting ready to take our trip from Paris to the Normandy area, and we were going in that direction. We were supposed to take the rail. We were supposed to take the train there. They have bullet trains there, and it was supposed to get us across the country very quickly. There was a rail strike that was going on in France that had paralyzed the country. And we, there were people – we had to take buses. Fortunately, we had chartered buses. We were able to get on buses. But it crippled the people that depended on public transportation. Um, here, we don't have that as much of that. We have some, but not as much, especially out here where we are, unless you're riding the light rail. And, well, I mean that's more like the monorail at Disney than it is public transportation, but that's a different conversation. But the goods – that are tr- that are transported across our country, UPS being the number one customer of the rail industry, what this would do and how it would cripple the ability to get the things necessary to build things. Uh, the retail world would have a huge ti- hard time. How would we then be able to, with everything else that's going on, with the pilot shortages in the commercial industry, how would we get goods flown across the country? Would it all be on trucks? We now know that diesel fuel is extremely expensive, and it's a very difficult thing to f- to have enough. And what last I saw was a 26-day supply. If this rail strike were to happen, it would be devastating to the economy. Now, would it cripple us forever? Uh, no, nothing ever will. Is this going to get settled? Here are a couple of things to know about this strike. Uh, The impasse, a strike was narrowly avoided in September, but the impasse was tied to disagreements between management and labor over sick time and penalties for missing work, a politically challenging stalemate for Biden, who has vowed that the nation's most pro-union president, but has prioritized untangling the besieged infrastructure in the COVID-19 era. So here's where the problem lies. And I mentioned this in a moment, you know, for just a moment yesterday, Um, Ronald Reagan broke the union. When it came to air traffic controllers, because there was going to be an air traffic control strike and it would have crippled flights in America and it would have impacted the entire world and international flights that flew into the U.S. So Reagan broke the unions and forced them back to work. And he was criticized for that roundly at the time. And and now you've got a, the, the self-proclaimed most pro-union president in history. And I believe he's lived up to that. There's no doubt. I think that organized labor and Joe Biden are tied. At the hip. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just that's he is as pro union as they get. And 
so the the threat that he is going to do something to damage the union's chances of getting absolutely every single thing they want is very, very small. But when you look at what's happening in our economy, when you look at where we are and the precarious place we are, this is where, again, where policy matters. And when we argue, we argue about so many things in this country that are seem to be superficial when you start digging into the meat of the issues. No one is talking about the, the depth of the issues. And this one is about as serious as it gets. We understand that the U.S. economy is precarious right now. People's uh, credit limits are being pushed. They are putting necessities on credit cards. People are concerned about a downturn in spending for the holidays. Nobody knows what next year is going to hold. Another 50 basis point rise in interest rates means the economy is slowing down. Home sales have slowed down. How slow will it get? And, and people are concerned. A rail strike at a time when econ- the economy is weakened as it is would be devastating. So wouldn't it be the biggest issue right now, or at least I would say the biggest issue right now is avoiding this strike, trying to figure out a fair way for union membership to sign on. There were two unions that split yesterday in the announcement. One of the one of the rail unions said that we are we're in for the deal, but the other one said we are not. The engineers and then the other union that said yes to the deal said, but we will honor the picket line if the other union strikes. We will stand in solidarity with them. So something needs to be done. I'm not a, I'm not a big pro-union person uh, at all. It's not my thing. I, I grew up in two right-to-work states. I, I think I'd mentioned I was born in northeast Ohio in Cleveland, and my uncles were Teamsters. So I have union membership in my family. But I grew up in southwest Florida, which is a right-to-work state, and I've lived in Arizona for almost 28 years. And I've thrived in the atmosphere of of not being a heavy union state but being a right to work state. So I have nothing against labor unions. I would even say in the trades, uh, unions have the best training available. If you get a union electrician and you get a union journeyman electrician, that electrician is very well trained and comprehensive in what their approach to what they can do. They are not just someone that's learned one thing in the industry and done it for 10 years. They, that's the old uh, adage in, in construction is do you have 10 years experience or do you have two years experience five times over. If you get a union electrician, you know it's somebody that's well-rounded. So you got to give them credit where credit's due. I'm just not a union person. I, I, I thrived without it. But this is going to be a serious issue for this country if this happens and it gets closer and closer and a deal isn't done. I'm anxious to see how the Biden administration responds because the Biden administration is going to be in the spotlight on this one and they're going to need to get something done quickly. Gatos joins me in a moment. It's our big Q poll question of the day. We'll get to it in just a couple of seconds. The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Good morning, Gatos. You watched that game last night? What game? Oh. <laughs> you mean the murder? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, uh... I think the first action of Governor-elect Katie Hobbs should be to strengthen the border. Mm. And to, to do so, I would revoke all Arizona Cardinals passports <laughs> to keep them in Mexico City. Oh, my gosh. Oh, they're brutal. They are. I got a great cue. Are you ready? It uh, has to do with the Cardinals. They right. lost in San Francisco. Do you even know the final score? It was, th- I don't, I was 38 to 10. Oh, good. I, I couldn't do it after four. It started the fourth quarter. I was like... Uh, nope, I'm done. I'm going to watch wrestling. 
Okay. Cardinals lost to San Francisco in Mexico City on Monday night. I think, A, season is over. B, Kyler Murray is the second best QB on the team. C, only five more years until Kingsbury's contract is up. (laughs) Do you know it's five years? Yeah, I know. I know. He shouldn't make it past lunch. Hmm. Uh, Let's see. A, B, C, uh, D. Four and 13 is a real possibility. Mm. And finally, E, maybe they should just stay in Mexico City. How about F, all of the above? Yeah, I should have done that, too. I know. So disappointing. It's That was a massacre. It, it, here's the deal. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a big college football fan. You know that. I'm a big Miami fan. I'm a, I'm a U guy. And we are having a really rough year as well, except they look like they're moving in the right direction. We've got a brand new coach who's changing right. the culture. He's now playing younger players who are hungry and they just need experience. So we look at what's happening this year, even though we're losing. We lost to Clemson big, 40-10. to 10. But the second half, those young players played so well. Well, it gives you a look at the future and saying, my gosh, we, we it looks like we're headed in the right direction. That's yeah. the, what I see with the Cardinals is it looks like they are floundering, but it yeah. doesn't look like they got they're like they're moving in the right direction. No, I, I don't think I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is a leader of men. I don't either. I, I don't think he's a head coach. Um, <clears throat> I don't think he knows how to run the game. Uh, the play clock is a disaster. His calls are so boring. And and, everybody knows they're going to run on first down. And, and they look like down. they look like they're going in half speed. They don't look like they're they're, they're putting out the effort. Yeah, there there was one play at the end of the game where uh, uh, George Kittle is a, is a yeah. tight end uh, for San Francisco, yep. and he ran into touchdown. And Hamilton and just pulled up. Yeah, there was. I didn't even know who who was. It was number thirty three. Yeah, he had a chance to hit him before he went into the end zone and maybe stop him. He didn't. Yep. And you know, it's like okay, uh, you're gonna cut him because you got to make some sort of a statement if you're the Cardinals. I mean, yeah. You know, you fire somebody like that. I think you fire Cliff Kingsbury, but yeah. uh, then you've got to fire the GM. And I think Michael Bidwell has made a disastrous move giving these two men time and. Um, uh, uh, Cliff Kingsbury five-year contracts. It is the dumbest thing in the world. Well, great question, and I look yep. forward to talking to you tomorrow. Go, go, Cardinal. <laughs> the BQ poll question today is brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers.